Good morning, everybody. So, men, you need to sign up for the canoe trip because this uh, canoe trip was never meant to be done on your own, okay? So, but uh, good morning. My name is Bill Moeller. I'm the small groups director here at Cornerstone, and we are very excited to have you here today. Uh, just to, uh, wasn't our worship time just, man, I just love it, right? I was thinking, man, if we could just continue and I don't even have to come up here and I would be fine with that, okay? But, uh, but this morning, uh, Pastor Sean is actually over in, over in Independence at Church of the Four Corners. Uh, church of the Four Corners is a church plant that was planted uh, just a little, um, almost three years now. And he is actually one of their outside overseers. And so each year, about once a year, they invite their overseers uh, to, to speak just to kind of give some visibility uh, to their congregation. So he's over there this morning, and I am over here this morning, and we're going to close out the why series today. We've been on this journey on asking the question why in so many ways. And so this morning I'm going to conclude, and I'm going to ask us, you know, why we go through these highs and lows in life. And I want to just share a story with you this morning. Did When you were growing up, before there was PS3s, you know, all these different gaming systems, the only gaming system there was around when I was a kid was Atari, okay? Uh, I mean, and, and that just didn't keep my attention very long. I mean, ponging back and forth, just you can only go so long with that, right? Well, so when I, when I was growing up, you had, to, you had to get outside, and we would ride our bikes. We would ride our bikes everywhere, I mean, kids today, I don't even know. I mean, I think one of the things is we never even wore helmets. I can't believe there's, there's not as many damaged kids, damaged adults in the world today. But, uh, but we didn't wear helmets. And so, but we would be out riding our bikes. And just like kids do, I think even adults do this, we, we challenge one another, you know, to, to take, take different uh, options of things you might want to do when you ride your bike. And and we had these hills all around our neighborhood, and we would get on our bikes, we would start at the top of the hill, and we would pedal super fast, and then we would all go on the count of three, everybody take their hands off their handlebars. Did you guys do that? You did that, right? And then if you had enough courage, you would then close your eyes. And you would close your eyes, and you wouldn't do it too long. All you would say is, God, help me not run into anything, okay? But... But it's, it's exciting to get on your bike. It was exciting to do that as a child. It was just until. It was until. I can remember, I never did this when I was closing my eyes or putting, taking my hands off the handlebar, but until those moments that you have a bike accident. I had a couple of those. Has anybody ever had a bike accident before? Not fun at all. Not fun at all. But we have those until moments. And I remember going to the emergency room, having my shoulder uh, just all bent out of shape. But we have those until moments. And sometimes, you know, after the bones heal and the bruises recover and our ego regains consciousness, you know, our mental state to jump back on the bike can be limited by the experience we just had. You know, you probably, if you haven't gotten into a bike accident, maybe you've been in a car accident or something of that nature, that first time you get back behind the wheel, there's a, there's a hesitation. But we're not going to talk about bikes and car accidents today. We're going to really get into some areas that really have some difficulties that we have to encounter. And I mean, we have our family, we have our, our work, we have, we have just relationships and, 
And our family is exciting. I mean, when you get together for the holidays, you just never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, if you've been part of my family, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, and then you have your, your work. I mean, if you have been uh, in the workforce very long, you're going to have experienced some really great moments. Some of those great moments might have been the first time you got a job, or maybe you got a new job, maybe you got a new career, maybe you moved to a different company, maybe you got a promotion, and there's that exhilaration that first day of going to work, and that second day, and that third day, and by the time that fourth day comes, uh, you just never know, okay? And then you have relationships. Relationships are exciting. We're all about relationships here at Cornerstone. And sometimes, you know, you, you get into those relationships and you, you spend time with people, you have dinner at their house, you play games till all hours and see who can beat one another. And then you laugh at them after you beat them. You know, that's, that's what we sometimes do, right? We have these great relationships. But then in those moments, we sometimes have those until moments, you know, we have those until moments of in our family that tragedy strikes. Maybe there's been a conflict, you know, between a sibling. Maybe there was a conflict between a parent and a child. Maybe, maybe separation took place or divorce has taken place and, and it just changes. You have those until moments. You know, at work, you know, it was great when you first got the job, but now Things aren't so great anymore because maybe you're not meeting expectations. You're, you're, the, the person that's in your, the cubicle next to you just isn't very fun to be by, you know? I mean, how many have experienced that? I shouldn't raise my hand because I know there's people that I work with in the, in the room here. But, uh, <laughs> but you, you have those experiences in life. Or maybe you got to the point where... where you know, it was exciting when you first started, but maybe the job just isn't working out the right way. Maybe the company has laid people off, or, or maybe you're at that point where you're not meeting expectations, and, and there's, a, there's a termination in your future. You know, and then relationships. Relationships, we have these high expectations in relationships of what we believe should come out of that relationship. And we, we, sometimes, we sometimes get to the point where that relationship just isn't working. You know, there's, there's been some sort of conflict and some sort of strife that's happened, and you're trying to figure out, can I repair that, or do I just walk away from it? It's those until moments. And I sometimes think that, that when you're experiencing those times, those until moments, and I don't know if you're experiencing one of those moments today, but when difficulties come in life, the best way to know what God wants to say is by just digging into his word. And so we're going to talk about this why today, but we're also going to talk about the how today, how to, to get through some of these difficult times, these lows in life. And I want us to look at Psalms 42 today. We're going to work through that, but there's three things I want to show you before we get into Psalms 42. First, this psalm is what's considered a lament. And I don't know if you know this, but there are more psalms of lament than any other kind of psalm uh, in the book of Psalms. And that means that God wants to hear our hurts and that he sympathizes with our struggles. And so this morning, he invites you to express any difficulties, any pains that you're going through right now. 
The second thing is Psalms 42 is what's considered a mass skill. And that means that it's a teaching psalm. And this morning, it's really intended to help us through difficult situations. And just a little background on this psalm. This is what's considered a, a song by the sons of Korah. And traditions regard that this is a psalm written by David for the sons of Korah who put it to music. And the context is when David was forced to evacuate his home because of his son Absalom was leading a rebellion against him. And that's in 2 Samuel 15, 16. So if you're getting together with your small group, digging deeper, that might be something you want to reference today. And David was removed from the throne. His life was threatened. His friends had bailed on him. He was ridiculed and mocked, and he was miles away from home, miles away from the temple where he, enjoyed to worship, where he enjoyed worship. But in the midst of all of that, he's able to sing. And at the end of the service this morning, we're going to take a time to sing, to declare who God is in our lives. But with problems being piled up, he's on the run, he's alone and discouraged. Let's listen to what David had to say, the song he wrote during this time. So Psalms 42. It's up on the screen this morning. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to, God, to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know, so this morning, we want to look at some practices. What are, what are some things that we can put into place when we go through these difficult situations in our life? And I want to look at the first one. We see that David seeks God with everything he has. So we need to seek God with everything you've got. And verse 1 really is the, is the start of it all. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. I know, like, some of you may be, be wondering, but, uh, but when we lived in the south suburbs of Chicago, we would have deer in our yard, and you're like, in the south suburbs of Chicago, you had deer in your yard, and that sounds really interesting, so why don't you share a little bit, Bill? Okay, I will. So, so what would happen is that where we lived uh, in, in Cook County, Cook County has a lot of nature preserves that kind of go up, up and down, north and south, in the county, and, and it's very similar to like when you go out to like Lake Jacomo or Blue Springs Lake and such. So that was kind of the, what, what it looked like across the street from our house. And so we would have these deer in our yard, and, and some of them were just like they stand so still 
that you kind of feel like, did I just put a deer in my yard as a, as a lawn ornament? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Those deer just kind of stand so still. And so we would, we would encounter this, but that's just the natural orientation of a deer. But I don't know if you've ever seen a deer get to the point where, where just like as David's saying, he's like, as the deer pants for streams of water. And this is what happens when a deer is thirsty, a deer will just run until he finds water. He'll run to the point just of not being distracted by anything until he gets to that water. And once he gets to that water, he puts his face in the ground, puts his face in the water and just drinks, but nothing's going to distract him. And that's what David's saying. He's like, my soul pants for you, O God. I'm going to run after you. I'm desperate. I'm in desperate search of refreshment. And verse 2 tells us that, that just as a deer can't wait to quench its thirst, his soul is thirsting for the living God. He wants to know God. He's seeking him with everything he has. I don't know if you've been in those moments. I don't know if you're in that moment right now that you've been to that point of just being thirsty spiritually. Does your soul pant for God? But only the living God can quench that thirst today. Only God can quench that thirst. So the first thing we see David do is he just gives everything back to God. He says, I'm going to chase you. I'm going to give you everything. The second step is that he's honest when he can't. That we need to be honest when you can't. And what does that mean? We need to be honest when we can't because the spiritual life is not smooth sailing. We have downtimes, right? We have seasons where there's difficulty, where we're hurting. And there's times when we wonder, just like David did. And this is what David says in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. His, his appetite had vanished because of all of his difficulty, all of his afflictions. And his only source of nutrition is the salt from his own tears. And verse 7 says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. See, as one wave seems to call to the next, so too the waves of worry, the breakers of bad things have swept over him. His, his faith had gotten to the point that it was faltering. And we see what he says in verse 9 and 10. He starts to wonder, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemies? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? I don't know if you've ever experienced this. But sometimes in life, you know, especially when people know in your neighborhood, even in your family, in your workplace, there's those times where People know that you're a Christian. And then something strikes. Something happens in your life. And, and you have those people that say, okay, you're a Christian. Why is this happening to you? Why is this happening to you? And th this is what happened to David. Where is your God? This is all happening to you now, David. Where's, where's your God? Where's your God? And that's, sometimes that happens to us. And, and a key part of the process of defeating this discouragement is that we need to be honest when we're hurting. 
We need to be honest like David was. David understood that he needed to be honest with God. He needed to be honest with himself. And for us, we need to be honest with the people around us. Those people that we do life together with. Those people in our small group. Those people that we're accountable to. Those people in our church. You don't have to come to church with this fake smile. You don't need to be fake. We're real, right? We have difficulties. You can come and know that you serve a God who understands that he cares for you, right? You can understand that. You can recognize that. And so you need to get to the point where you can be real with yourself, real with God, and real with the people around you because we know that you're going to encounter difficulties. But in the midst of all this, David does number three, and he forces himself to remember truth. He seeks God with everything he had. He's honest when he, was, when he couldn't be. And then the third part of the process is that he forces himself to remember truth. Look at, look at verse four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. You know, in the message, it says, therefore, I will rehearse all the good things I know about God. That's what he says, I will rehearse it. Sometimes in our lives, we rehearse all the bad things. But what David's saying is, I'm going to rehearse all the good things going on. I'm going to rehearse all the things I know about you. And the Hebrew here conveys a strong expression of determination. I will remember. I will remember. And sometimes I I think of the illustration in my own life is that you get ready for final exams. And I know some of you that have been in college for the last semester that you you finished up with final exams these last couple weeks. And I remember going through final exams and you might have pulled some of those all-nighters. I was not an all-nighter type person. I went to bed early, got, or went to bed early, got up early, but I would spend hours in study. And you would wake up in the next morning having some additional time to study, and, and on the way to class, you, were, you had that determination, I will remember, I will remember, I will remember, I hope the professor grades on a curve, I will remember, right? And that's what, that's what David's saying, I will remember. And this is what he remembers. He remembers the fellowship he used to have. How I used to go with the multitude. David's alone. He's probably afraid. And he just thinks of those times of fellowship. And one of the best things we can do when we're down is is be with people that we know. Be with people that love us, that cares for us. Those ones that are in our small group. Those ones that we're accountable to. Because our instinct is to go and just hide in the corner. Our instinct is just to hide in the corner. And we've all done it. I've done it. You know, you have those moments, those times in your life that you come home and there's difficulties that you're encountering. There's just day after day of the grind. And you get to your home and, and my wife will say, Bill, what's going on? How are you doing? Okay, just, just leave me alone. Okay. I just I just need a few moments to wallow in my sorrows. 
right? I just, I just want to wallow in my sorrows. Isn't that what I want to do? That's what I, that's what I really want to do right now. I want to wallow. But that's not, the, that's not where we need to be. We need to be with those people. We, we need to pull it back and we need to say, I need people around me. And Hebrews 10.25 challenges us to do this. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need people. Listen carefully here. The only way that you can do the Christian life is to live it in community with others. You can't do it. You can't do this life on on your own. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. Turn to the person next to you and just imagine yourself tied to that person. You're tied to that person. Now turn to the person on the other side that you chose not to look at the first time (laughs) and go, okay, I'll be tied to you too, okay? Not really, not really, don't do that. Then they'll be downcast and we'll have to start all over this message, okay? But we can't do it on our own. We, We need to encourage those. When we're down, we need to ask for help. And when we're up, we can encourage those that are having difficult times. But second, David forces himself to remember the sweetness of corporate worship. He remembers that time leading the procession to the house of God. Because see, when we get together with people, when we get together with our small group, it's not, it's not a time to just go, yeah, it's pity party time. It's a time that we remember that we worship God, that we remember what God is doing. And we can have those moments. And so David remembered the sweetness of corporate worship. David locks into the fact that he serves a living God. He recognizes that God's not asleep. He's alive. He's at work. And when we can't sense him, he's still there. And Psalms 29 says that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as the king forever. So when you're going through experiencing difficult times, you can know that God still sits on the throne and he cares for you. And then fourth, David remembers that God loves him. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. There's a love that he has, that he recognizes that that there's a refreshment that comes, that, that this time is short and God will return and, and that love is there and he knows that that love is there. And I think it's interesting when, when you look at that section of I used to go in, in verse four, it can also refer to in a future tense that I will go, that he's made a determination in his mind not only to remember, but he will return to those moments. He'll return to those moments of corporate worship. He'll return to those moments of hanging out with people that love him and care for him. He'll return to those moments knowing that God will see him through and that he loves him. And it leads us to the final step that we decide to trust God. We decide to trust God. In this psalm, David talks to God, but he he talks to himself. And and sometimes when we're down, we often need to force ourselves to remember and trust. We need to shake it off, right? Not that there, there are times in our life when things are difficult. I, I, I don't want to minimal, minimal, minimalize, minimalize, yes? Minimalize, if that's not the word, you guys can laugh when you listen to this later. 
But when, when that we're going to have difficulties and that difficulties don't, um, aren't, aren't hard and, and hard to get through. But sometimes we're, we need to shake it off and it takes some time to shake it off. But, but we can see how David got through it. He kind of preached to himself. And in verse 5 and then in verse 11, he's really saying to himself, self? He's like looking at himself, and I could just see it. If he had a mirror, he would look at himself, and he would say, self? Even though you're depressed, it's time to depend on God. Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. And this is a decision of the will to put our hope in God, even when we can barely eke out the words. It's not that hope. It's not that hope like you say to people. You hear something tragic that's happened in their life or and you say something like this i hope it gets better don't we say that we say that i hope it gets better that's not what david's saying that's not it's not this feeling that maybe something better will come rather he's saying it that my hope is in god rather it's a certain expectation of faith that god will see me through That's what he's saying. God's going to see me through. I put my hope in God. No longer do I have to be downcast. I can put my hope in him. And that's what we need to do. To shake shake it off. And it can be courageous. It's a courageous step we need to take. Because it comes to the point that we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to wait for God to do his work? even when you don't know how you can even make it through the day? Can you choose to praise him even when your problems have piled up? And and David says, I'm going to praise you even though I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to praise you even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to count on your character, that you love me, and therefore I can put my hope in you and know that you're going to see me through. This final step is a little more fully developed in Psalms 43. And according to many Bible scholars, Psalms 42 and 43 were originally one psalm. And you can see in Psalms 43, there's no heading. And in verse 5 is identical to verse 5 and 11 in Psalms 42. And the first psalm, 42, is really David talking to himself or David encountering his soul. But in Psalms 43, David is really speaking directly to God. And this is what he says in verse 1, Vindicate me, O God. Verse 2 says, You are God, my stronghold. And verse 3, he says, he asks God to send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. And then David gets to the core in verse 4. And he just his, his faith has just flooded out, and he makes up his mind, and this is what he says. He says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. You know, we, we encounter these times in our life, and it can be difficult to get through some of these life situations and I want to end this morning with a, with a story of a challenge that we had in our life a number of years ago. And, and I've shared parts of this story before, and, 
And for the most part, you guys all kind of know the end result of the story. You know, Alicia and I, we, we struggled uh, when we were first married. Really, I mean, you could really say it was the first 11 years, but I'm going to say like for about three years span, uh, we struggled with, uh, with infertility. And you guys know the outcome. So, so the praise has already happened uh, with, uh, with the blessing that we received with, with Spencer and, and us being able to adopt him, you know, about 11 years into our marriage. But, but Alicia and I had dealt with, uh, with infertility for a, a number of years and, and to the point where we, we got doctors involved and, and that's not always really that fun. And you get doctors involved and over about, about a three-year span, two and a half, three years, that we were just constantly going to the doctor and the doctor would do the next procedure and, and we would wait for that phone call, you know, was Alicia pregnant? No. And we waited for the phone call again and the answer was no. And we waited for the phone call again and the answer was no. And we waited for the phone call again and the answer was no. And over about four or five times, you just become an emotional mess. It was constant. It was, you, you felt like you were just kind of in the, in the midst of it all. And, and we, were, we were in our small group, and our small group prayed for us. And, and we, would, we would get prayer and stuff like that, but we were just getting to the point where it's like, okay, God, what's, what's your mind saying? What are you saying to us right now, God? And we, we got to the point on that fourth time or fifth time, whatever it was, that, that the doctor was like, just, just one more time. And I was just like, I, I don't know if I have it. I don't know if I have it anymore to, to walk through this. And we got to the point where we, we went off and we sat and we talked to our pastor, who was also our friend, who was also our mentor, and we just sat in his office one day, and we were just like, you need to help us. I, I, we need help on this situation in our life, and we just need some guidance. And, and there's those moments in our life when, when we, need, we need people all the time in those moments. We need people that can encourage us, that can pray with us, that can be with us when we're struggling and we're going through difficult situations. And David remembered that. David's like, man, I can't wait until I'm with those people again, until I get to worship with them again. And this morning, that's what I want us to do. We're going to close this morning as the worship team comes. We're going to close this morning. We're going to sing a song, but that song is a declaration. That song is really a declaration of remembering who God is and how much he loves us. But for some of you this morning, you, you're just like sitting there going, man, I just, I just don't know if I can just declare God right now in this time all by myself. And I just need someone that can pray with me. And so I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, to come up. And I, I, want, I want this time to be one of two things for you. I want this time to, to bring healing to your life right now. I want this time... To, to know that, that you can be free from what is going on in your life right now. That you can find that freedom and maybe it's just that peace of God, that, that love and that understanding of who God is and, and how he wants to show that love to you right now. 
You know, some of you are in situations, it, it might be financial, it might be an issue with your family, it, it may be an issue with your work, it may be an issue with relationships. I don't know what that issue is, but I know this, that you can put your hope in God and that he loves you, that he cares for you and that he can see you through. So as the worship team leads us this morning, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do, if you need to come up here and pray with one of our prayer team members or just declare this today, that God's going to see me through and that I can declare how good he is to me today. So let's, let's, uh, let's go.